And the fact is this, boys. There's three sides to every story. There's my side, your side, and the truth. Kaya, and welcome to The Curb Podcast. My name is Andrew F. Pierce, bringing you discussions about Australian films and culture with the people who bring it to life. This podcast is recorded in Bulu, Perth, Western Australia, sovereignty never ceded. Every so often a presence swirls into our lives in an unexpected manner and changes it just a little bit. For many Australians, whether they be wealthy or not so wealthy, that presence is the artist David Bromley. He is a celebrated artist whose work features on the walls of galleries and private art collectors, while the same artwork adorns cologne labels, reusable water bottles and more. As mentioned in Sean MacDonald's raucous and energetic documentary Brumley Light After Dark in Australian cinemas from today, David's work gives people hope. And hope is not something that should be restrained for those who want to access it by how much money is in your bank account. What this means for Brumley as an artist is that his work is everywhere. His critics will say he's overproduced and mass marketers, while his supporters, myself being one of them, would say that he's making high art accessible to all. Either way you look at it, a David Bromley art piece is a slice of his personality, and through Bromley Light After Dark, we get to see that personality writ large on the cinema screen. Here is a person that's large in life, full of energy, supported by a loving family who champion his work and give his mind the space to be what it is, an ever-roaming, occasionally anxious place of darkness that thanks to a wealth of soul-searching and self-realisation, has been splashed with enough bright paint that has become a source of lightness and joy. It is, quite simply, the light after dark. There's an openness and frankness to David Bromley as a person that encourages people in his orbit, and that includes the audience watching this documentary, to feel okay about sharing who they are as people. Watching Bromley Light After Dark made my partner and I feel seen in a way that precious few films that have made us feel. In one sequence, David and his wife Yugi drive a roller over his artwork to create a weathered aesthetic. It's one of the many moments that show creativity let loose. It's bloody energetic and entertaining. It's done by two people who love and support each other in their creative endeavours. Another moment, in particular one that has a strong emotional resonance, is one that shows David talking to statues that he has created of his mum, his father, and his brother who's passed away. It's a really personal moment, and one that really cracks open who David is as a person. He is somebody with vulnerability. He is somebody who has endured pain and, and trauma and difficulty in his life. But through that pain and trauma and difficulty, there is positivity and hope. And Sean MacDonald easily gives both David and Yugi the space to exist on screen without judgment. Sure, Bromley's critics do get a moment to voice their concerns, frustrations, or displeasure at the quality of David's art or the way he conducts himself. But so do his greatest supporters, each of whom provides a welcome perspective of who he is as a person. He's a weathered, worn individual, with the furrows in his brow being the result of decades of creativity and concern, often both occurring at the same time. Thanks to the work that I do with The Curb, I get to chat with or write about plentiful creative minds that exist within Australia. I'm always in awe of their creative spirit and how people manage to express themselves in a country that sometimes willfully rejects creativity. For those creative souls, there is a need to pour themselves into their work. And that need comes with a wealth of vulnerability. Allowing the melding of a creative mind like a documentarian to play with that vulnerability amplifies that openness even more. 
It's that line of questioning which I put forward to Sean McDonald, David and Yugi Bromley in the following interview. As you'll hear, giving David a brief question opens up a well of ideas and possible responsibles. There is a level of generosity that comes with these answers, and I'm grateful that I was able to discuss his work with him. And, of course, with Yugi and with Sean as well. The following interview is recorded on the day of the Optus outage, so there are some occasional audio blips, but the essence of the discussion is still there. I begin by talking about the film with Sean, followed by the arrival of David, who brings his own perspectives. Brumley, Light After Dark, is in cinemas from today and deserves to be seen on the big screen. To listen to previous interviews, visit thecurb.com.au, but for now, here is a clip from Brumley, Light After Dark. Who's the cause of so much of my anxiety? <laughs> Sorry, Mum. How David Bromley is not in the rock and roll band is one of life's great mysteries. He's a creative genius. He's iconic. He's everywhere. Everyone wants a Bromley. His work is just purely decorative. He just seems to have overproduced. Produce, produce, produce. And push and push and push till he actually falls in a heap. Standing still is not an option. This is all I do all day is find broken shit everywhere. It's a scary experience to have a mind that doesn't stop. My own adolescence was quite horrific. I had some schizophrenic happenings and phobias. I was clawing to survive. I worked out that I had to find a career and utterly commit to it. I just said to myself, I'm a painter. Still some days I have trouble not skidding off the tracks. David's brain is so fast and not compartmentalised. Yugi, she's just invaluable. Her influence on him has been profound. A typical day for us is madness. When I met Yugi, that hard shell was starting to soften. A lot of mud's been thrown at him, but he's not going to change, is he? Just when I think I couldn't love you more. David's work gives people hope. And that's what art's for. I have never met another person who lived with his eyes open as much as David. <laughs> I want to be a painter of joy, but I don't just want it to come from darkness. I am scared I'm going to die if I jump straight in which would be really freaking cool for the documentary. What, what's the whole uh, promotion experience been like so far for you? Because you came across for Cinefest Oz. Yeah, Cine was our, was our premiere, which was such a cool, like it's such a great vibe at that festival. Like everyone's just so passionate and into it all, which was fantastic. And then we had a little bit of a break and then we went sort of on a four festival run through Adelaide, Sunshine Coast, Brizzy and Byron, which was really good. And, and they're all quite different, especially given like David's got different connections with each of them. So like, you know, in Byron, you know, there, there was a lot of art fans because that's where sort of a, a thriving part of his art career was. And then in Adelaide was where he sort of spent a lot of time as a younger man. So there was a lot of um, old sort of mates that he hadn't seen in decades. So it was a weird sort of a lot of them were learning a lot of stuff for the first time about all the sort of stuff he went through in that time. So that was an interesting one. And, yeah, so they've all been different. But, yeah, for me, it's it's a, it's a weird experience. <laughs> weird is the best description. It's like it's quite nice because we've had great sort of feedback and, like, talking with people afterwards is really nice because we've had a lot of people really connecting and sharing sort of some of their own stories and that so you feel quite 
you know, like, oh, it's actually having a, an impact, which is good. When you spend so much time on it, you're like, let's hope this connects with people. How long did it take to shoot? It probably took about four years on and off. In COVID, it was obviously pretty pretty slow. We would sort of shoot maybe once a week or something. But, yeah, there's a lot of shooting. And probably realistically, because it was my first time directing, the first year I was sort of just exploring with no real, you know, purpose, trying to figure out, one, how to make a film, but two, what I wanted the film to be. So, and then sort of after that, it was probably a, like a two-year really, okay, let, now I know what I want to do. Let, let's get busy making it happen. I'm curious then, like, because you've worked in commercial capacity, you know, weddings mm. and arts and, you know, advertising and all this kind of stuff. The transition from that to documentary, was there a huge kind of uh, mindset shift in that capacity? Yeah, a little bit. Probably the thing that helped me most was, like, I'm, I'm trained as a photographer first and foremost and, and loved documentary photography. So trying to tell a narrative through through sort of observational photography, which I think really helped because I already had that mindset of of letting a story come to you and how important sort of the intimate connection is and building that rapport with with, with your subject and and not forcing things like it's, it's there's a lot of similarities in terms of like often you know with portraits or things like that the more you plan and and light and have a big crew the less authentic it becomes so that was a really good setup and then there was just a lot of technical learning I guess and so I found that the shooting element quite natural a progression and it was then okay well how do you put together from an editing and a, and a production the, the back end of the film that was where I was a massive learning curve but what about also like asking questions as well like being the interviewer and and probing and asking the right things I know how hard that can be but it's got to be hard as well being on the other side of the camera yeah, I, I really, that's my favourite part of the process yeah. and I really enjoy that side of things. And I've done a lot of that in my photography is like sit down, talk to someone, incorporate words into my work and stuff like that. So that probably came quite naturally to me and I'd spend a bit of time with the Bromleys, you know, documenting via photography various projects that they'd done. So, you know, I had a really good connection with David and Yugi in terms of having those conversations. So there was not so much real fear, but I guess, of all, you know, that's probably my one area that came naturally and the rest of the technical stuff I had to learn. But yeah, I really love that. And these guys are really open. Like there was nothing that was off limits and they were, you know, completely giving. So that from a interviewing sort of point of view makes life, you know, really easy and disarming, which is good. Yeah, definitely. Welcome, David. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. And same Hello, mate. G'day. G'day. Ah, <laughs> um, first of all, congratulations on the film. Uh, so I've already mentioned to Sean, but it's a really wonderful experience and just a real delight to be able to spend time uh, with you and your family and Sean as you as a filmmaker as well. We don't get to see you, but we get your vibe through the film there. So it's yeah. a lot to be proud Thank of. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. It's very kind of you. Um, it is very kind. Let's jump back to the initial conversation that you all had with one another about getting this film off the ground. What was the the late night discussion that you had that said, "Yeah, let's do this"? <laughs> I could probably answer that. It's it was it was very organic and simple, to be honest. Like I was documenting via photography a lot of, of projects that David Yugi were doing, and we were always having these really interesting conversations about you know life 
our experiences and what it all meant. And it was just totally different to anything, any conversation I'd had with anyone else, you know what I mean? And I'd always come away with like a dozen nuggets of absolute gold and you're like trying to remember all these things. And, and, and I just stupidly said to David one day, like, I should do a documentary on you. Like you guys are, are super interesting and nobody knows what you guys are really like. Like the perception out there is totally different. And then he's like, go for it. And I was like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> what about just committed to? I don't actually know how to make a document. Yeah. Uh, and it was as simple as that. David was like, yeah, go for it. I think Sean even Googled, like, how to make a documentary masterclass <laughs> and tried to sit through one of those and then went, I don't think this one's going to go the way they tell me it should go. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, look, I think I think there was a tremendous simpatico um, between us um, and that's, especially on our side, um, is sort of really the only way we will live and it's really the only way we will interact. It really is the only way we'll give something of ourselves. I mean, you know, talking with you today, um, there's no way we're going to be um, saying, yes, we will talk to so-and-so and then, you know, try and do a Harrison Ford or... Lou Reed on you. <laughs> um, well, it just seems, you know, and for myself as an artist, um, I think it's one of the reasons why I find, uh, you know, exhibiting and standing in a crowd and, and, and stuff um, like so mentally challenging because I feel that if you're going to do it, uh, then you do it properly. I'm never sort of uh, quite sure you know, as, as to why artists go out and then sort of play stupid games with people or, you know, sort of, you know, twist things and, you know, sort of one minute they're talking about something that they're passionate about yet to have an argument, they'll push something else sort of, you know, around and you never know when you're going to get that in a situation with people. So there's absolutely no doubt that as life um, goes on, um, you know, my life personally has gone from thinking how will I ever, um, uh, how will I ever um, get used to being um, so alone and so alone with my thoughts and, um, and to these days, you know, I will never get used to the amount of people that are, are around me and um, the amount of things that comes at me, it's really uh, almost impossible to, uh, you know, to, to pick what's going to happen every day. Um, you know, it, you can think, you, you know, you're in for a fairly sort of sweet day and you know what's coming and sort of, you know, the meteor shower comes um, flying in um, and then other days you just think this is going to be insane. But there's one thing you can guarantee with Sean and his uh, crew that at very least uh, you're going to have um, a, you know, whether it's challenging, whether it's full on, whether we all go home exhausted, um, you know, there's definitely that sort of, as I said, symbiotic um, sort of relationship which we find hugely rare yeah. and when we do find it uh you know obviously it takes two to tango 
but how the fuck you do it over five years, um, you know, that is rocking hit horseshit territory. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and I'm not talking about liking someone, I'm talking about respecting them, adoring them, laughing um, with them. Um, there's no doubt it was challenging, but there's no doubt, you know, I, I speak for myself and I'm pretty sure I can speak yeah. for Yugi. It's, you know, five of the most special years of, of our life. And I tried extremely hard to, to work out what it is that I could bring to the situation. And I could only work out one thing, and that is just throw all the, you know, the extraneous sort of masks and, and, and sort of, you know, the, the, the sort of, you know, the sabotaging things you do to get people out of your life and, and stuff. And I just thought, I really want to sit down at the end of this and see um, something as non-linear as I am that needs to be something um, that's, that is a constant. And I think mm. it is the fact that I'm open and, and that's what I felt I owed myself and that's what I felt I owed Sean. Yeah. yeah, and I'll just add that, like, the beauty as a filmmaker with what, how David and Yugi approached it was they were, firstly, nothing was off limits and they said, whatever you want is yours. And also they, they never once tried to be involved in any way in the process. They're, like, they didn't see, the first footage they saw was sort of right towards the end of the process four years later. So um, that kind of gives you an idea of how open and trusting they were, but also how... Even the cringy parts that, you know, the first couple of times we watched, oh, my, oh, you know, like, oh, I don't know. And then, you know, as you sit with it and think about it and because of that trust and love we have with Sean, you know, they're actually some of my favourite parts because they are the most revealing. Or, yeah, you know, when you if... can look at yourself in a way which you don't necessarily like or it's not, but still go, yeah, you're okay. I think that's a sign of great um, belief in one another and great trust in oh, one another. And otherwise it's just not true. You know, that's there's, right. There's one part, I think. Yeah, I am very cringy it's, it's when every the... day anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. The, there's, there's a part when the steamroller comes out, you know, I'm like, yeggy, yeggy, we're steamrolling. And I'm just like, fuck, you like it? Like, just you know, like a backward child. <laughs> but you, <laughs> you know, are, David. Not one that is you. <laughs> single, there's not one single thing that's cool, you know, um, you know about that. I mean, I, I, I'm an excitable person, but the way I said that, you know, I, I sort of thought, wow, that's, um, that's just, <laughs> yeah, that's really sort of cringy. But, you know, again, I am you know, a stupid child, you know, but, some of the... But arguably, yeah. like, I, I don't think that uh, that moment was cringy at all because it's getting to mm. see unbridled creativity and enthusiasm and passion for what you're doing, which is infectious, right? And then additionally, there's also a wealth of vulnerability here, which I'm in awe of because it, it is something to open yourself up to a stranger but it's also something to open up you, yourself to a stranger oh, yeah. a room full of strangers watching the film in complete darkness and i'm curious if you can talk about 
presenting that vulnerability of yourself, but also presenting that joy and that happiness and the love that you have for one another and yeah. your, your art. What's that mean to you uh, as, as, as the subjects? Well, I think, I think, you know, first and foremost, you know, you've, you've, you know, I mean, I'd have to be, you know, completely daft not to know that I've got a lot of haters um, out there. Um, you know, there's also, you know, it, it, you know, you, you know, you ring people like Chris Cheney up afterwards from the living end and say, mate, you said I, I'm a rock star. I fucking love you, man. <laughs> and it's like, so, you know, part of me thinks, well, okay, I'll try and act like a rock star through the, throughout the whole thing. And the best I can conjure up is, you know, playing a cardboard tube. Um, you know, and it's sort of like, um, look, I think, I think, you know, man, you have to be so careful with your, um, you know, with your own, um, oh, what, what do you call it? Like your own, you know, the, the, my, my dad, I wrote when he died, you know, it's something like, you know, once the thing is writ mm -hmm. you know you can't change that thing that is said and that's why we didn't want um you know it's, it's something like for all this and all that you cannot change mm. those words that you know was 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 said um but the, the the thing is if you're too careful about it um then you know slowly but surely over time um you know there is going to be this sort of false um, you know, story out there. And, you know, I have this beautiful wife and, you know, a, a small group of friends who I adore, a, a small group of, you know, people that I respect, um, you know, my children, you know, who I love more than life, um, you know, as it is mm. with is, is with Yugi. And, and also, too, I mean, I fought so fucking hard for my own life, I've fought so hard. You know, there's that part where I say, you know, if if you could see what I really felt like, you know, that sort of, and I mean, you know, I, I've been around people who've blown their minds completely, like worse than I did, and you know, I, I've always sort of thought, well, you are truly fucked once the physical side becomes that. It's very hard to you know, be a potent figure to sort of, you know, get married again or mm -hmm. find a partner or something. So, you know, I've always tried so hard to, you know, not fall off that edge and, you know, and I certainly have and it's it, it certainly demolished relationships and, and, and things like that. But on the whole, you know, I'm... I'm I'm, I try so fucking hard, no matter what I get attacked by, no, no matter what the very system that I'm supposed to work within and the structure that I am work within, no matter how many times I've fucked me off and they've fucked me off and, and, and we've carved out our own life, you know, we suddenly get this opportunity for this remarkable dude, this... This, you know, this is Sean I'm talking about, too, who can actually see, I think, a lot of himself, you know, in it. I mean, 
you know, I mean, you know, we do the same shit. We, 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 things that seem big to other people are not big to us. Um, things that need to be concerned about are not concerned to us. I mean, we're, you know, if, if there's an image that someone's saying, well, perhaps that re- represents the film, it's just like, well, it doesn't really represent the film. And we're often of the same thought because, mm. you know, I think we all love that bit of a wild mm. side. So I knew that we were in good hands. And um, when it comes, I always think when it comes to David's um, mental health, uh, you know, that part of his life, you know, I couldn't even say it's a journey because it's still such a part of our life. There's no end to it. But, you know, I I quite like it because outwardly, I don't think many, I mean, a lot of our very closest friends, even friends that went to high school with that have seen it now, would not even know the tip of the iceberg. You know, he talks openly about it, but most people could not um, see it in David because he's highly functioning, he's productive, you know, he's got a beautiful big smile on his face. I'd say every time you see him, Sean, he'll, he'll embrace you or, you know, our friends. And I think I think the openness of that personally is one of the most poignant things in the film because you wonder how many people who do do that on a daily basis, you know, they walk down the street with a smile on their face and internally they're suffering. This, this I think David's openness about that, he, on, he could only be that open because the other would be like any other tokenistic, tokenistic acknowledgement of mental health. You know, there's, there's something to be said about David just opening his heart, but See, there's something to be said about Sean because no one's really asked David the deep questions about it. You know, a lot of people might have asked certain things about it but it's kudos to yeah, Sean but, for having but if you get to that long. it's interesting sometimes the more linear you get the less you actually explain mm. and I think that mm. you know mm. it, it's probably the first time I've really sort of probably nailed that I'm being interviewed you know I say do you need to fucking be so linear in your conversation because I just don't I don't, let's don't live like that. Yeah. You know, you're trying to box me into a question where mm-hmm. it just doesn't even enter my fucking mind. But the thing that I was going to round off with was, you know, my, it's not my heritage, it's my history, it's my, sort of like what we were thinking with the jail, my... Legacy? Yeah, my legacy. The word? I mean, yeah. there's, there's a lot of work out there. There's a lot of opinions out there. Um, you know, I'm not one to write, um, you know, a, a sort of a hundred words too often for for an exhibition or something, because it's just it's just not enough, and mm. it leaves so many uh, sort of areas untouched. Mm. You know, this goes fairly deep, and mm. I think it's a companionable piece to you know 40, 50 years of my life. I mean, that is that is such an incredible honour because I don't defend myself. Mm. Like, you know, I wouldn't even defend, like, when my last relationship broke up, um, you know, my third long-term relationship, you know, my mum would say to me, you know, well, what's going on? I'd say, well, just, I don't know, ask Fred or ask Sally or because they seem to know what's going on with my life, 
don't don't worry about asking me, you know, um, because you probably won't want to know what I have to hear. And there's enough people talking about me as it is. Just get it all off them and and try and work. Thing when you do, when you don't, you know, people say, "Well, I heard that you did this," and I said, "Well, did you?" Like, I'm going to defend myself, and I'm like, "Well, no." Is that what you want from me? And they're like, yeah, I do. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry, but I don't see any reason to, you know, like if you don't know me, look, I don't have really have the time to go into great details. And if you have known me for a while, I'll actually let you know, I'll, I'll actually let you work this out for yourself. And quite often people will say to me, did you hear that so-and-so happened? And I'll say to them, Really? And they'll say, yeah, yeah. And I say, and and where did you hear it from? And they're like, blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, were they there? No, but they know someone that's there. And I'm like, oh, fucking hell, are you joking? <laughs> and they're like, oh, so what do you know? <laughs> I said, I don't know anything. The only thing I know is what you just told me. Like and I'm just asking you, do you know? How do you know this piece of information? Yeah. And they're sort of like, well, isn't that how information gets around? You hear something and you say it. Not in my books, you know. And, you know, as much I wasn't dissing Lou Reed before, you know, he's a god to me. Um, he just would be quite scary to interview. But, you know, he, he says, you know, don't listen to anything that you hear and only half of what you see. And... I have grown a lot in the last, you know, 10 years. And I have grown a lot in the last 20 years. And I have grown a lot in the last 30 years. But when I first thought that, I'm like, how can you not believe in what you see? Well, you don't know the prelude to that particular situation. And I often say to people, you know, like, if I'm walking down the street, casually walking right near you and Mm. chuck a rock at my head, I might walk on the other side of the road like one. And if you manage to land another one from me across the road, the third time I tell you, <laughs> I'll have the fucking mallet at my back. Oh, Bromley buddy hits a guy in the head with a mallet. It's just like, well, well, you know, who threw the first bone? Yeah. I mean, that that's the thing. Like, I'm, you know, talking about being afraid of talking to people and things like that ahead of watching the film and all this, uh, you know, knowing, all right, I'm going to be sitting down talking with David Bromley. It's like, there is a level of fear that comes with going, I'm going to be posing some questions to a great mind. And then I watched the film and my partner and I were like, actually, this guy's just like us. He thinks exactly like us. We do, you know, and so in that sense, I'm like, oh shit, this is very easy. Like it's, I know exactly. (laughs) We're about to wrap up. We've, yeah. we've got minutes left, but um, it's been a real treat to be able to spend time talking with you all, uh, seeing different creative minds working and, and collaborating with one another. And I guess the ultimate question is then, does the film now make you happy? And is happy a, a, a feeling that you're seeking to attain from the film? Um, I might just nick in first. Um, look, I think if you, if, 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 if you have this... Uh, okay, we've just been going around with the film. The sheer amount of people that have asked questions of Sean and sought his, um, uh, sought his 
company and yes. and 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 an exchange with him, the amount of people who already said who already know and say you're fucking lucky to have he has increased. You know, mm-hmm. if if there's anything that shits me in life is when people come up and say to me, "God, you've achieved a lot," and I go, "Well, I'm not a single." person you know my partner you know if you want to turn around and ask someone how this whole thing happens turn it to the person who runs it um sean you know just seriously we'll come we'll turn up we we get invaded by 10 different cross reference sort of shifting sands he's patient then we're freaking exhausted from that but we pull up our bootstraps to talk with sean but then we have to leave because we've got kids at home. So he's got to clean up. He's got to do all of those sorts of things. Look, it, it's 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 the best opportunity ever. The only way I think I'll ever get a better opportunity is if I'm very long-lived um, and I do another. Just, um, can I just to sort of finish it? Look, i got to say at the end of the in comparison with listening to my voice on an answering machine and just sort of go, I to then go from that to watch myself for an hour and, and 50, I've got to say, I left thinking I don't mind that bloke. I knew I was in love with Diggy. I knew I was in love with Sean, <laughs> but I thought I don't, I don't mind that bloke. Mm, and should have put that on I'd the say, <laughs> I yeah, don't mind that bloke. But it's a, no, it's it's that's probably one of the great things. And the other thing I think is, you know, you you cannot say that you don't hold, even under these circumstances, you know, you don't try and come across as a complete sort of idiot. And so as 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 open and honest as I am. You know, you certainly try and portray yourself with some sort of, um, you know, gravitas, I yeah. suppose. Um, and, you know, I think whilst Sean wanted me and I wanted me, um, you know, there's a hundred different ways that could have come across. And you want to make a cool film. Mm-hmm. You want to make a film yeah. that, that shows that someone has something thing. about it and... Yeah. And I felt that I'm not, I'm not cringing, um, and and I, I I think it's a glorious thing that that Sean's achieved, mm-hmm. and I really fucking love it. Yeah, and just I have one quick quick. I'll be very quick. Just one of the things I love about it is that it shows that, and David said this a lot, is that people who struggle through anxiety or depression are not necessarily unhappy people they're quite possibly the exact opposite you know they see so much beauty or so much joy in life that that the the chasing of and the seeking of that can cause the other and that's what I think David really demonstrates you know more often than not he is the happiest most content most grateful person in the room it just so happens that that side of him also creates, you know, anxiety, sense of, you know, different phobias and fears, and and it it's it 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 hopefully gives hope to those people that do suffer from it that you know perhaps they're not on some completely different path or wavelength. Okay. Yep. You saw I get exactly that. what I was going to say, Yugi. <laughs> Great. No, I mean, like that was, 
a very conscious thing about you know sort of gets back to your message your question about joy what and 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 happiness is that's what i saw sort of at the very start of this process was they were happy every day and it came with some some down times and all that but like i've never seen two people enjoy life more they knew you the life so side they don't need the film for happiness but what we wanted to do was take and bottle a bit of that happiness and show it to the rest of the world and say one just yeah as you said demystify this this thought process that people that face anxiety or phobias are, are these introverted closed unhappy people when it's quite the opposite and perhaps if people out there that are experiencing that are brave enough to to follow david's lead and really chase happiness and beauty and fill their life with all these things they too can also experience the same sort of highs and, and joys of life so yeah i think that's like david's greatest gift yeah. you know or greatest sort of contribution to society is sort of showing the way in that way yeah well thank you all for the time to be able to talk about the film and and spending time with your lives in watching it uh, it's been a real treat i look forward to watching it again and enjoying it even more uh so yeah thank you again <laughs> thank you thank so you, much yeah. lovely talking to you likewise have a good you too bye See take you. care much appreciated bye. thanks bye bye, bye.